Right, so as we're talking about going deeper in our walk with Jesus, this is um, one of the ways. So there is no one single way that we grow in Christ, but this is a resource or a tool to help us grow in Christ. It's an eight-week course, um, and the cost for the class is $20. Now, that covers uh, three books that are provided with the class uh, for those sessions. So uh, you get these three resources that help you um, and are part of the, the experience as you go through it. Um, we only have, for our time at New Horizons, we have uh, 30 slots available for this session. We're going to offer it at another time as well, but we have 30 spaces for this one coming in January. So uh, in terms of limited number of seats, and then we'll offer it at another time after that. Um, we partner with, in, in this course, uh, where I took it was at First Presbyterian Church. Uh, Tom Hansen is the pastor over there, a good friend of mine, and and uh, so that they, are, we're partnering together in the sense of, because we have limited seats, they're also opening up seats that they have uh, to offer it on Thursday nights. So the same week that we start it in January, uh, they'll be offering it Thursday nights at 6 p.m. And it goes for two hours at New Horizons. It'll be Sunday nights from 6.15 to 8.15 p.m. And at um, First Presbyterian Church, it's going to be Thursday nights from 6 to 8. And so if that works better for you, It'll be the same content, and we'll provide a table leader for uh, those from New Horizons that go and participate at, at uh, First Presbyterian Church. So you won't be by yourself with people you don't know. You'll actually be at a table. Uh, we'll set it up with somebody that you do know from uh, New Horizons. So if you're interested, we'd love to have you take part in that. Think about it, pray about it, and then uh, if you're interested, sign up. There's a sign-up sheet out at the Get Connected desk, and then... Uh, Later on, we'll have the resources available, and then you'd pay for it at that time. If you need assistance, if the cost is part of the issue that would keep you from participating, uh, let us know. We can always come, we make it a practice to come alongside those that need a little bit of help, and, and we're happy to help in any way we can to make sure that you're able to participate, all right? Um, again, it's just a resource. It's a tool that helps with our discipleship, and when we talk about what we have been, uh, this message series that I've been going through, it really targets that area. It focuses on that area of getting beneath the surface, going beneath just what life looks like on the outside, but really dealing with what's in our lives, what's inside of us. And it's so important because this is what Jesus said. He said, it's not the things from without that defile us. It's the things that are in our heart that come out of us that defile us, that cause us to be separated from God. You know, oftentimes we'll say, well, that person made me so angry or this caused me to be this way. And, and I understand what we, we're, we're trying to say when we say that, you know, that it just, that, that caused a reaction within me. But the reality is, and you know this and I know this, that nobody can make you a certain way. It's how you respond to something. Nobody's making you bitter. We become bitter when we're upset about something and we live with it and we kind of stew over it a long period of time. Nobody forces us to be angry, but an anger, anger can be a response to what somebody does. And it's a valid emotion. Anger is a valid emotion. And so part of what this course does is help us to see what's inside of us and help us to not just bury things, but to be able to say, Lord, I want my whole life to be surrendered to you. All right. Um, let me talk about this, uh, this morning our focus about growing deeper, and this idea of rest. Throughout the month of December, I've just been focused on this topic of finding rest and finding 
finding a place of peace and rest in His presence. And that's really at the part of what we see in the Christmas message of what God came to do is came to bring His presence with us. And that's where we're going to focus this morning. Uh, this slide, our life produces what we've sown into it. I show this every Sunday because this is kind of where we're looking and saying, what's coming out of my life, what I just talked about, what comes out of my heart is a reflection of what I've sown into my life to this point. What people see of me, my, what, what pours out of my life is in part at least what I've sown into it. Now, if you're younger, a lot of what you may have coming out of your life is a reflection of your upbringing. But there comes a point when we get to a certain age where it's like, well, that may be what my family of origin sowed into my life, maybe what my parents invested into me and that was just what was coming out. But now I have responsibility for myself. There's a point in my life where I can't say, well, this is a product. I'm a product of my parents. I'm a product of just my environment. I'm a product of my upbringing in this way. At some point we say, I'm a product of my own investment into what I've sown into my own life. Those things have influenced me for sure. My upbringing, my, my cultural surroundings, they've all influenced me. But who I am, I have responsibility for that. I am the person that I've created by sowing into my life certain things. And so, like Jesus, our assumption in gathering here and, and together as a church family and and uh, if, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I'm glad that you're here so you can hear us kind of talk about, uh, other followers of Jesus, talk about how we want to invest our life, what this looks like, how we view discipleship. And at the heart of what we want to see happen is we want to see the life of Jesus grow out of us. That's what discipleship is. We want the life of Jesus to come out of us. We want people to see what He looks like because they're looking at us and know more of who He is by looking at us. Well, the, the focus scripture this morning is out of Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. If you have a, uh, a Bible or you have a Bible app, you want to reference it and we'll have it on the screen. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And I want to focus this morning on the idea of presence, being present with God. And, and understanding that that's how God really relates with us. That's his focus, his desire as well. So let's pray as we come to the scriptures. Lord, we thank you that we have the account of your birth. We thank you that not only do we have the account and the recording of your birth, but we have, God, the understanding around it of what your heart is for us. We thank you that you not only communicated rules, that you didn't just communicate how we can obey you, but Lord, you communicated how we could know you. And Father, that's such an important distinction that we're not just obedient to a religious practice, but Jesus, that we are obedient and recipients of relationship with you. And so I pray you would open the scriptures to each of us this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to speak to us. Pray that you would open our eyes to what you want us to see, open our ears to hear your word. And that our hearts would be good ground for you to sow into our lives. Amen. Let me read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. If, if you're wondering why I keep taking off my... I'm at that point where, yes, I need bifocals. But I'm resisting it. 
And so now when I look down, it's blurry, so I have to take it off, and then I have to put them back on so I can see you. Now, I could just see all of you as blurry for the day, but I actually, especially those of you that like to sleep on Sunday mornings, I like to make sure I have these on so I can see your eyes. And if you say, good message, pastor, I know if you actually heard it or not, or if you're sleeping. Just kidding. Hey, Matthew 1, 18 through 25, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until he had, she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Verse 23 is this insert of the words of the prophet related to this coming one and, and what we would what we could anticipate with, with his coming. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is who our God is. This is who our God is, intensely present with us. Very much with us. He says it over and over throughout the Scripture that, I, that He is the God who is with us. And Jesus Himself telling the disciples, I will never leave you or forsake you. This is who our God is. He is so present with us. He's not distant or somewhere up there. He is the one that when He's telling us how He put creation together and He's wanting it described, He's wanting it recorded, how creation came about this is how it's recorded. Genesis 2, 5-7. through Let me read it. It says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, or no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. This is how God wants you to understand how you and I originate. Usually when I think of somebody with power, it's somebody who's very distant. It's somebody who's very disconnected from things that are going on. My, my reason is because that's usually the model that we see around us. That's what we grow up around is the more power you have, the more distance you become from the people who have ordinary everyday lives. I mean, 
That's often why it's been said, that's why we make our superheroes out to be these larger-than-life figures who don't even walk among us is because we can't picture a superhero that actually just has an, has an everyday life. But see, we're not talking about fantasy or fairy tale. We're talking about God who created us. And it says when he created us, I love the words, the imagery that is given to describe it. He formed us. He shaped us. It doesn't say that he just took his finger and went, boop. <laughs> you know, that's the sound when you're making something, you know. Presto magico. Boop, there it is. There you are. There's a person right there. It doesn't just shake a finger. It says he formed us. He shaped us out of the dust. And then how did we get breath? How did we come to life? You see, you see the, the words that it uses? He breathed into our nostrils. Talk about closeness. It's the picture of God by our face, breathing in the breath of life. We come alive. Do you understand that's the imagery that God wants you to see? He wants me to see this. That He's not a God far off who just wags His finger and then creates a person. He's the God who takes you and He's shaped you and molded you. Other words that are used in, in the psalmist is he writes, he says, God, God speaking, I knit you together in your mother's womb. Again, a picture of not God just spoke and your, your parents had a moment together and then you were created. And God had nothing to do with it. It was God says, I know you and I knit you together in your mother's womb. Such intimate, close pictures of a God that cares about us and is close to us and he He's the one who's breathed life into us. If we fast forward from the, the Genesis account, we see Moses receiving instructions from God for the people, Exodus 20, 18 through 21. So it, it's an interesting picture because here you have Moses, the leader of the Israelites. They're coming through the desert and they come to a point where God wants to speak to them. He draws Moses up to give him instructions. And, and then here's Moses' interaction with the people in Exodus 20, 18. To 21, he says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Different picture, isn't it? <laughs> thunder, smoke, clouds, I mean just this intense storm that's hovering over the mountain and and Moses says God wants to speak to you and they're like you speak to him Moses <laughs> you go ahead and speak to him he he talks to you he wants to God will lead through you let him speak to you and you talk to us but we don't want to speak to God because if we do we'll die but listen to Moses's response to this Moses said to the people in verse 20 do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. There's this understanding that Moses had, even though he had encountered God, and the people out of this intense holiness that God has, and the thunder and the cloud, the people feel afar off, and here's Moses saying, no, 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 no. 
let God speak to you. God wants to speak to you. And they're saying, no, Moses, this is too scary. God is great and awesome. And Moses is saying, yes, he is. And he wants you to revere him. And he's worthy of your, of your awe and, and your sense of respect to him. But he loves you. <laughs> He'll speak to you if you come near to him. And the response at that point was, no, you, you speak to him for us. We're not ready to speak to him. But this is understanding that Moses has, that God is holy, he's awesome, and yet he wants to speak to his people. Let me turn back to Matthew 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. A couple things I just want to highlight out of this, and then maybe a couple suggestions of things that will help us to be very present with God. Do you and I realize that being with God is the most satisfying thing we can do both for ourselves and also for God? Being with God. So many of us might have a regret for things we didn't do for God when we were younger. If I was younger, if I could just turn back the clock and go back, I wish I could have done this for God. I could have accomplished this for Him. Or maybe if now we have limitations of our physical limitations, we say, I wish I could do more for God. I wish I could uh, be more engaged or accomplish more for Him. But the truth is, if we believe that the greatest thing we bring to God is our abilities for Him instead of being with Him, we miss out really on our greatest gift to God, the greatest thing that He wants. We often speak in terms of doing things for God. But God's greatest encouragement to us is to be with Him. We, we go through Scriptures. He's not over and over saying, I want you to do this for me, and I want you to do this for me, and I want you to do this for me. God is saying, I want you to be with me. Be still. Be present. Be with me. With me. Over and over. That's God's call for us, is to be present with Him. So you think about this Christmas season, Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to be present with us. And so for you and I, bringing your whole self before God is your best gift. Your presence is what He desires most of all. Your best gift for God is wanting to be with Him. Now I know, you know, it, it communicates better when we've done something great for God. <laughs> when we do a number of things, and, and there is a point where we express the fruit of our lives is what we're doing for God. We see the fruit. We see things that are showing up in our lives. It's, it's representative by the fruit. But listen, we don't get to the fruit of our life. We don't do the things for God unless we've been with God. Otherwise, we're doing Christian stuff. Otherwise, we're doing good religious things. Otherwise, we're doing things that sound like good ideas and have good appearance. But there may not be the things that God has asked you to do. Remember, we go back to the previous weeks where I said, Jesus only did the things that the Father told him to do. So there was another, a number of things that Jesus didn't do while he was on the earth. Jesus didn't start a homeless shelter. Homeless shelters are good and they can help people in the community. But he didn't do it. Jesus didn't feed everybody. He did feed, we have a count, he fed Five, which is probably closer to ten to 15,000 people in, for one meal. 
But on the heels of that, seeing the great response that he had, Jesus didn't set up a food pantry and said, you know, I can just do this all day. <laughs> give, me, give me some loaves and fishes and we'll just keep doing this and feeding people and I'll draw the biggest crowds ever. No. Jesus knew what his purpose was because he only did the things that the Father told him to do. So when I say that bringing your whole self before God is your best gift, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do something for God. What I'm saying is doing things for God in place of just being with God and understanding what He wants, what fruit He wants to bear out of your life, misses it. We first spend time with God and we're close to Him. We understand who He is and what He would ask of us and then we live out of that. We do those things. We know this for ourselves, so let me, let me kind of put it in our own perspective. So, how many of you have ever said this? Here's the scenario. How many of you have ever said, when somebody goes, I'm doing my Christmas shopping, what can I get for you for Christmas? How many of you have said, you know what, I'd really love just to spend some time with you and just to be with some friends and family? Have that, has that ever come out of your lips before? You don't need to get me anything, just, just spend time with me. Anybody ever said that? Any? Yeah, I see a few hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just yesterday, right? So we say that all the time. And I don't think, I wouldn't think you're disingenuous for saying, I wouldn't think you're making it up or just trying to, you know, look at it. I, I wouldn't suppose that underneath you're saying, yeah, I really wish you'd pay my rent this next month. You know, and that's, uh, I, I would, I presume that when you say that I really, you know what, I have what I need. I really just want to be with friends and family. I just really enjoy being with you. I'll, I'll get a cup of coffee with you. It would be wonderful. I hear that, and I've said that so many times. But do you believe that about God, saying that about you? When you say, God, what can I do for you? What can I do that would just bless your heart? God, what can I do that would just be so wonderful for you, that would just make you so happy? How many of us believe that God says, just be with me. What I want more than anything is just for you to be with me. Above all the gifts that you can bring, above all the things you could do for me, I just want you to be with me. I say it, and I mean it. How much more then, when you and I think about our Heavenly Father, how much more a God who is all-powerful. A God who is all-knowing. A God who is all-sufficient. <laughs> that we don't believe that the greatest gift we can bring to Him is our presence. We think it's something that we can do for Him that's really going to make Him happy. And yet, He has everything. He has everything He needs. He has all knowledge. He's totally sufficient. And yet, it's hard for us to believe that it's something that we're going to do for him that's going to make him happy, not really just our presence. Listen, if, if we're able to say to the people around us that the gift you can give me that I most desire is just time with you and to be with you, how much more should we be willing to believe that God feels that about each one of us? That the thing he wants the most from you this Christmas, the thing that he wants this holiday season, the reason that he came is God Emmanuel, God with us, is because he actually does want to be with us. 
He really and truly desires his presence to be with us and for us to desire his presence to be with him, to be close in fellowship. So let me emphasize, and then I'll give a couple ideas of how we can maybe do this through the holidays when it gets a little bit busy and cranked up. God's not trying to get something from you. He's desiring to be present with you, with the emphasis on those two different things. God's not wanting something from you. He's desiring to be present with you. And so the more that you can give God your presence, the more that you can give God your time in quietness, in time in the Word, in solitude, times away from others, and just be devoted to Him in one-to-one presence, the more delighted He's going to be and the more delighted you're going to be in knowing Him. And so that's the, the greatest gift that we can give. He's not trying to get something from you, but to be with you. So how can we do this? Uh, let, me, let me give you, what do I got? One, two, three, four, five things um, that can help out with this. I would hope would help out. One is, is prioritize your obligations. Listen, there is more stuff to do over the, the coming weeks than you actually have time for. There is. And I know some of you say, you know, I know you may think that, you know, that's, that's true, but, you know, I actually, I'm retired, Andy, so I've got actually a lot of time and there's, there's not as much that I have to, no, there will come a time, I, trust me in this, and, and you probably already know it, so I'm not telling you anything new, trust me in this, there will come a point, some point, a day or the week, and it'll just be more than you have time to address. And so the tendency is to get so caught up in what happens in that moment that we just push everything else aside, including our time with God. So my first encouragement would be to prioritize your obligations. Take the time to prioritize what matters most. Make a plan. Look at the things, you know, we have a season, it's friends, coworkers, work obligations in general. Figure out the things that are most important. If you just wait for them to come on you, they will come on you. And you'll just be addressing each one individually as it comes. And then you'll, as the book Tyranny the Urgent talks about, we'll sacrifice the most important things for the urgent things. The things that come on our plate first, we start addressing them. And then other things that we really wish we had done or experienced are going to drop off. And we're going to forget or fail to have the time to be able to do them. So prioritize your obligations. What matters most? And then the other thing that you can do with your time with God is to make sure that you schedule it. And I know that sounds kind of cold, but when you get together with other people, do you just say, hey, let's just get together sometime over the next couple weeks. And what happens if you do that? You don't meet with them. (laughs) You don't get together because other things come up and you don't ever have a plan for getting together with that person. But when you say, hey, let's get together uh, next week on Wednesday at 7 o'clock, and uh, we'll go to Four Winds Coffee Shop, where Joy works over there, yeah? And um, we'll have, uh, I've lost it now. We'll have coffee, we'll have coffee uh, in the morning, and we'll get together. What happens? You do it, because it's planned. You have it scheduled. You know that your time with God, if you don't schedule it, things will just slowly push it out of the way. So you schedule your time with Jesus. You schedule time to make sure, not just devotion time in your, your reading, but you schedule Real quiet, solitude, and stillness with God. Time just to be completely away with Him. 
away from others, away from the noise, away from distractions. Schedule time with them. The other is to create space. And when I say create space, I mean literal space. Create a space where you can be alone with God, quiet. Now, for some of you, that, that can be in your house, and others, it can't be at home. There's just too much going on around, around the house. And so for you to have solitude or quietness, stillness, you need, to, you need to be somewhere else. And so I encourage you, find that space. Do you know that the church throughout the week, especially in the mornings, is, is open? It's available to you. If you wanted to come by and just find a quiet spot, it could be sitting in the back of the sanctuary or a prayer room, uh, except for Tuesdays at noon where we have our prayer gathering. But a lot of the times the prayer room's wide open and ready if you need just a quiet place away from uh, other things. But maybe you can find that at your home. Maybe, maybe it is your closet and you can get away, close the door, and you get the, your solitude there where it can be quiet for you. But create space for it to happen. Otherwise, again, those distractions come and you're going to be pulled away. And you're going to be thinking about all the other things that are going on around you. So create space for it. Limit your screen time. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Limit screen time, your phone, your TV. Find a place to put your phone and check out. Turn the TV off for an agreed period of time in your home. This is especially true if you uh, have a a spouse, a, a roommate, other family members, It can't just be you that decides this. You have to say, let's agree together that the TV is going to be off from this time to this time. And we're not going to have that noise and distraction going on. Let's agree that we're going to set our phones uh, on the entry table and we're just going to leave them there for this hour, for the next hour, and we're just going to let it sit there. Nobody's going to be on, on their phones for that time. And allow our minds and our our spirit just to take a break from all the stimulation that comes at us, all the attention that is being sought from us. So limit limit that screen time. Take as a gift to God. Say, God, our, our house, our household, we're going to reduce the amount of time that we have noise going on in the house. And we're just going to limit that screen time, the TV, the even music. And I know this is difficult to believe, but do you know that even music... Christmas music, Christian music, can be distracting. It can be noise. And it can pull away from our time of just quietness and actually listening to God. So limit screen time. Limit the noise that you're around. And then uh, last one is take a social media break. Um, Maybe it's the week of Christmas. Maybe it's the days going around it. Maybe you even started that at the beginning of the month. But just check out. Just say, I'm going to be offline for, you know, the next 30 days uh, if you want to reach me, you know, uh, uh, give me a call if you have my number. Otherwise, I'll, I'll be back on in a, a couple of weeks. But just kind of getting out of that monitoring and going on to our, our devices to check what's going on, check uh, the different things that are taking place. Give ourselves time just to be able to be at rest. Giving ourselves time where we're, we're not looking down at things or captivated by the screen, but we're very present with the people around us, And most of all, we're very present with God. It's a real challenge. I understand that. But what we're talking about is this discipleship process where we are countercultural. We are a people that, as followers of Jesus, we don't look anything like the people in the culture around us. There's something unique or different about us. 
We're set apart from God and for what His purposes are. We're set about for what He wants to do in us. And so to do that, at times it requires that we check out from all the cultural and the the social influences around us. Not the people around us. I'm not talking about that. Still stay connected and in relationship. But from the devices and the influences of the culture around us, sometimes it takes us disconnecting from the electronics and the noise and the things that fill our days so easily. So I hope that helps. Here's what my desire is this morning, is that as we are going to take a moment to to have another song of response to the Lord. My desire is that during this response time, you would look at that list of things that you could do and you'll say, Lord, here's what I want to do. And if it requires you taking out your phone to schedule your time while you're still here at church, do so. I won't assume that you're checking the Broncos game that uh, just started 10 minutes ago. Um, I'll assume that you're taking out your phone and you're putting in your quiet time to make sure that you have a set time of solitude to be with the Lord. Maybe it's it just going to take you um, having a devotional. So if you need to write that down as a reminder that I need to get into an Advent devotional this week. We have scriptures that we're going to be posting on our site. Uh, it comes up here at the first of the week. And so if you want to follow along with that Advent devotional, you can check that. But there's also different devotionals available uh, that are out there. And, and maybe you just need that to help you with your time and, and your solitude with God. So whatever it takes, I would encourage you, as we finish out the last part of service with our response time, my encouragement is that you would do that. You would say, what is it going to take for me to be very present with God? What are my habits right now with the TV? Is the TV just on? Is it background noise all day? Then I need to sit down with my spouse or I need to sit down with other family members or a roommate and I need to decide when that TV is going to be on but maybe more importantly when it's going to be off so that the noise in my environment can be less so that I can be attentive to God. Priorities. Are you at this point just expecting things to just kind of all come together for you? Do you have a plan to make sure that the most important things that you want to see happen this Christmas season actually happen? And so maybe it's today you're going to sit down and you're going to say, here's, here's what's most important to me or these five things or these seven things. I want to make sure that this happens this Christmas season. I encourage you to write them down and then find a place where those are going to happen. Otherwise, you're at risk of having those things just kind of slide off of your days and then you finish Christmas season and all that you would say is the same thing that we hear out in the culture around us. Wow, that was just so busy. That was just chaotic. I'm glad that's over so now I can rest. What a a shame that would be if that's our response at the end of Christmas is, oh, I'm just glad that's over, so now I can find some peace and rest. No, no, no. Let me encourage you this morning. Seek out the Lord. Seek His peace. Prioritize what He wants to do in your life. Make sure that you have quiet time and silence and solitude with Him so that He can be very present with you, which is what His heart desires most. What God wants most to be with you.
and to experience, for you to experience his presence as well.